This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow where we speak to people in real estate about adapting, adjusting and changing businesses in the face of the crisis. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. In this week's episode, Ryan Simonetti, the CEO of Convene. His company offers flexible workspace, but much of the revenue comes from running meetings and events. Convene, which is backed by Brookfield and RxR Realty, moved quickly to cut costs in the face of the pandemic. With all 32 of its locations around the country closed, a fifth of the workforce was laid off in March and another 420 people were furloughed soon after. Over a million square feet of deals in the pipeline were shelved or renegotiated, and Convene has also moved to restructure deals with its current landlords to give the business time to recover. Ryan spoke to me from Long Island, where he's working from home alongside his family, about the future of meetings in the world of social distancing and his realistic take on when people will gather together in large groups again. Later on, he shares his views on the mix of remote work and the office, but first I asked him about negotiating with the owners of buildings where Convene operates. What we've been working on uh, with our landlords is really just temporary rent relief uh, between now and kind of September, uh, especially for our meeting and event locations, the reality is, you know, physical face-to-face gatherings at this point in time are banned, right? You, you cannot even legally go ahead and do that. Uh, and I think, you know, given the situation, uh, you know, I think most of our landlords uh, understand, um, you know, how impacted our business has been. Uh, they also know that we've performed incredibly for... Uh, you know, the last decade uh, and have been a great partner, uh, a great paying tenant. Uh, And, you know, look, this is a black swan event that's outside of all of our control. And, you know, having lived through 2007 and 2008 and 2009, running a restructuring uh, and a workout team at that time, the way you get through this is by working together. Uh, and by doing it in a way that makes sense for both, uh, you know, in this case, the landlord and also for us as a company. Uh, it's in nobody's best interest to see Convene not be successful. So it was rent relief in some instances and switching to management agreements in others? Or switching to partnership uh, arrangements where, you know, it's we're sharing in profit collectively. Okay, but there's no profit right now, surely. Yeah, but in the, but in the future there will be, right? So you have temporary relief in the interim uh, and then what we're doing is, you know, we're not looking to be opportunistic. So all of the temporary relief that we're getting, we're amortizing back into the deal and paying back over uh, a period of time. Uh, it could be as short as 16 to 24 months in certain locations to as long as the entire term. Uh, and we're paying that back at uh, an interest rate, right? Anywhere from 8 to 10%, depending on uh, you know, the building and, and the partner. So it's a deal, a deal that makes sense for everyone. If deals don't make sense for everyone, they don't get done. We reached out to our landlords the first week of March and said, hey, we've just had some cancellations for some large meeting and events at some of our locations. Uh, We've talked to some of our clients who are in Asia right now. If this gets to the U.S., this is going to be bad. And there is a high likelihood that part of our business could be significantly compromised, especially our meeting and event and conferencing business. If that happens, we're telling you today that we're going to have to work together. 
And that was two, almost three weeks before a shelter in place order was put down in any, in any city in this country. So again, being proactive, being thoughtful, uh, being transparent, uh, and being a realist about the situation again, I think has allowed us to, uh, you know, get through this situation, uh, and do it in a way that you know, makes sense for you know, both us and, and our strategic landlord partners. Everything's kind of shut down totally right now, so we can't even really talk about reopening on a legal level. But are there dates in your mind that you're focusing on? Is there anything that you're thinking? And obviously you have locations across the country. New York's in a very different space to, say, Boston. Do you have any clear plans to get back up and running? Yeah, I mean, of, of course. So, you know, as soon as shelter-in-place orders are, are lifted locally, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to wait to see what the the bans on gathering size are. Uh, you know, different cities, we're getting different indications, you know, everything from uh, as, uh, as, as low as 25 people to as high as 100 people. So, again, we're going to have to wait to see what local orders uh, are put in place and, and ultimately live by those, of course. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, the way that we're thinking about it is you have to take New York City and the rest of our markets and the country and put them in two entirely different buckets. Uh, you know, New York is the most complex of these situations uh, and is going to take the longest, we think, to come back to some uh, either sense of a new normal or a new abnormal, however you want to think about it. Uh, and we do expect that our locations uh, in other cities and other markets um, will come back uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, our, we're planning right now for first phase, uh, you're kind of mid-June, June 15th is, is pretty much a target date for, for some of our locations. Uh, and again, it's gonna be phased, right? So if you think about the impact to our business, our workplace locations, our amenity management locations, that stuff will open first. Our smaller meeting venues and locations will probably open second. And then the question is around our large-scale meeting, uh, conferencing, and event venues. You know, 225 Liberty in, uh, at Brookfield Place downtown. You know, average program there is four, five, six, seven hundred people. Right? Our new location uh, at Willis Tower in Chicago can host up to 1,000 people. It's going to take time for those locations to reopen. You talked about creating psychological safety because you can really, any ban can be lifted. The governor can say whatever he wants, but often it's going to come back to what people feel comfortable with. How are you addressing that? So, uh, you know, we recently published uh, our uh, new COVID operating standards uh, and our get back to work plan. Uh, I'd highly recommend we can, we can pass it along uh, to you if you'd like to read it. Uh, you know, our operations team, led by our CEO, Amy Puzer, uh, you did an incredible job both working internally and also with uh, a, a network of external partners. We leaned heavily uh, on Eden Health, uh, who is uh, you know, a direct-to-employer primary health care provider uh, and telemedicine platform. Uh, we worked with them and their medical advisors. Uh, we also had a chance to work with Ron Klain, uh, who is the Ebola czar and is now Joe Biden's uh, coronavirus advisor for his campaign. Uh, and so between our internal team uh, and, you know, a network of, of really smart and thoughtful, you know, medical experts, 
architecture, design, and engineering partners, you know, we think we've come up with a really, really robust plan uh, that kind of breaks down into key five, I'd say, buckets. Um, the first is uh, around uh, testing uh, and tracing, uh, and we're partnering with Eden Health uh, you know, to do this. Uh, for all of our employees, uh, you know, mandatory testing uh, before returning to work. Uh, and then for our workplace uh, customers and members, um, we're offering them a service through Eden where they can offer testing to their employees if they choose. Uh, so testing and tracing is gonna be a really, really big deal. Uh, the second uh, is, you know, as part of that is doing temperature checking uh, on site at our welcome experiences. You know, as you know, you know, certain of our locations, we control the welcome experience fully. We're a retail access, don't have to go through building security. Uh, in addition to that, um, in buildings where we don't control the welcome experience, uh, you know, we're working with uh, you know, each of the building property management teams. Uh, to make sure that they are doing, uh, you know, kind of proactive temperature checking uh, in uh, in the lobbies. So that kind of covers testing, active monitoring, temperature checking, uh, and really, I'd say that that's all part of pre-arrival and the ultimately the arrival experience. Uh, second thing is around uh, cleaning and sanitation. Um, so increasing the frequency of cleaning that our teams are doing on site. Uh, as well as uh, what we're bringing outside firms to do on uh, a nightly uh, and then weekly basis where we will be doing kind of full deep cleans, electrostatic, I mean, all the stuff that you'd uh, imagine. Third thing uh, is around uh, furniture layout and density. Uh, and so uh, you're rethinking the density of our meeting spaces, uh, our, our work suites, our common spaces to uh, allow for social distancing. Uh, we've rethought the flow of our spaces. The next thing is uh, around rethinking hospitality delivery, right? You know, the days of being at a convene and having a buffet for a meeting or us doing a plated lunch or in our workplace kitchen, you know, literally delivering somebody an individual meal to a communal space until there's uh, a vaccine, my sense is that those things, you know, are, are, are going to be a thing of a past. So how do you recreate a premium hospitality experience, uh, knowing that you can't do some of those things. So, uh, we're working on rethinking our entire menu and food and beverage, uh, program, uh, including our, our nourished pantries. Uh, we're moving to kind of a bento box style food model, uh, where everything is kind of prepackaged to the individual. Uh, and again, rethinking how can you still deliver hospitality that feels human to human, knowing that you're doing it in a, in a really, really, um, you know, what I would call kind of uh, constrained, uh, constrained way. Um, and then the last thing is is really just around air quality. Uh, you know, adding biophilia into our spaces. Um, we're looking at kind of the UV lighting stuff, and then putting. Uh, air purification systems into our communal spaces. Uh, you know, based on all the research that we've done, you know, social distancing uh, is is obviously critical. Uh, using and wearing PPP both for our employees and members is critical. But uh, focusing on air quality 
right, is going to be a big deal. And where we see the most changes on a go forward basis isn't in the design of the interior space, but the quality of the HVAC infrastructure that you ultimately put into your spaces. How concerned are you? I mean, that all sounds really like great ideas. How concerned are you that people might say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm just going to keep working from home. Um, well, you know, look, I, I, this starts to lean more into what does the future of work look like? Before I answer the future question, I think the, the real question is different markets are senses that people will behave differently, right? Uh, do we believe that face-to-face uh, goes away? Do we believe that meetings go away? Do we believe people never return to the office? No. But in the short term, is any company in the world going to force their employees to show up at the office? No. It's going to be 100% an opt-in based model. Uh, we believe markets like New York City, best case scenario at the end of the year, maybe 20 to 25% of the people are actually back in an office at any one point in time. Other markets like DC, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, different markets that we're in, we think that that will be higher, right? Because in some of those markets like DC, I can drive my car to my office building, park at the base of the building. I don't have to go up 30 floors in an elevator to get to my office. I go up like five or six. It's a very, very different experience than being in New York and saying, hey, I got to take Metro North then I got to jump on a bus across town. Then I got to jump on the subway. So again, different markets will behave differently. Um, right now, we're assuming an underwriting, very compromised occupancy levels in the meetings business. Workplace is different, right? We have customers that are contracted for very long periods of time. Um, our average customer size is, you know, 30 employees. Like those people will come back to the work. Now, will 30 people be in the office? No way, right? On any given day, it might be five, 10, maybe max 15. Um, it's really the meetings business that, you know, we believe will continue to be compromised, uh, you know, into first half of 2021 at a minimum. How much of your business is the meetings business? Um, of our total revenue, um, 75% is meeting, conferencing, uh, and event-driven revenue. And then the other 25% is managed services uh, plus uh, workplace revenue. So you're predicting that people probably won't be doing meetings, conferences, what we know as those kind of big gatherings until towards the end of the year. I think se second half of 2021 for large gatherings. Now, do we, do we see people booking meetings for the fall? Yes. If you look at our pipeline and look at the definite business that we have on the books contracted today, you would assume that everything in New York and in all of our markets is going to be back to normal in September. I just think the reality is that that's not going to be the case. And so when we're budgeting and forecasting, we're making an assumption that isn't what's in our funnel or what's contracted. We're saying we believe that most meetings over 50, max 100 people ultimately have to get either canceled or they become smaller where there's a smaller physical component on site. And then we're simulcasting or live streaming to a virtual audience. The future of meetings for the next 12, 18, 24 months, and I think for the long term, is what we call hybrid and virtual, right? Smaller physical experience on site virtually broadcasted or distributed to uh, a virtual audience. Um, and we're, we're, we've done that for 10 years. Um, we're doing a lot of that, like a lot of the meetings that we're seeing 
uh, confirming for the end of this year have a physical component and a virtual component, right? So smaller physical on site, you want the speakers, the presenters, the facilitators there. I don't know about you, but I've been speaking on, I don't know how many panels. It's horrible as a presenter or facilitator. And it's not that great as a participant. Like the fact that the speakers aren't in the same room and it's not a production quality experience, like the, the technology recording itself. So what we're seeing as a huge opportunity is to host those smaller meetings physically at convene in a super safe environment and then broadcast that to, to virtual audiences. Uh, and then we also launched um, a virtual platform. So uh, we built out an entire virtual kind of technology platform uh, to build, almost think about a new UI or UX experience on top of existing technology like Zoom and Slido for engagement. And then our professional meeting planners and technology professionals actually manage that virtual event on behalf of our customers. So over the last 30 days, we've hosted a number of those um, we're seeing a lot of physical meetings actually convert to virtual for us. Uh, and so we actually see that as a huge growth opportunity for the company, uh, not just in the short term, but it's actually opening convene up to an entire TAM that never existed before. You know, in our virtual meetings, we're not bound by physical space and inventory, right? And so we, we actually think that virtual is a huge, huge opportunity uh, you know, for convene you know, over the next six months, but also long into the future. So give me a sense, if you were to walk into a convene when everything is back up and running, how is it going to look compared to a convene before all of this happened? Look, a aesthetically, um, it will be the same beautiful experience. Uh, you will still be greeted by uh, a warm, smiling person, although the smile will be hidden behind a mask. Uh, but you'll still see the smile in their eyes, um, which again, you know, the convene experience is about our people, right? It's not about beautiful space and, and great food and, and amazing technology, although uh, you know, we do those things really, really well. It is about the human to human experience. Um, so you will still feel that in a convene. Uh, you will notice that there's less furniture uh, and it's more spaced out. Uh, I think early on, you'll probably see a few less people because we are going to cap our occupancy uh, regardless of what happens at a local level at max 50% um, through the end of the year. Uh, but it's going to still feel like convene. Um, it will still be a warm, inviting space where you can get your best day at work done. There's been a lot of talk about how co-working firms are going to be affected by this. Um, and co-working had been such a hot topic in the past six months or so anyway, after the WeWork IPO. Who do you think is at risk uh, in this current crisis and the economic fallout from the health crisis? Look, it's a great question. Um, I'd say a few things. One macro from an industry perspective, the reality is the cost and complexity of running space, whether you're an occupier or a landlord, just increased exponentially in the last 90 days. You combine that with the uncertainty of the economic environment, there is no question in my mind that there will be more demand for flexibility and people will outsource more because of those two facts, right? So I actually believe that Companies like Convene and some of our peers are extremely well positioned 
uh, not just in the short term, but in, t- in particular in the medium and long term, as our company, our customers look more and more for uh, flexibility uh, and to outsource their workplace experience and their meeting experience to companies like Convene. So I would say macro, um, as challenging this is, as this will be for the next 12 months, I'm extremely bullish uh, on the sector uh, in the medium uh, to long term. With that said, different companies are going to be impacted differently, right? If you look at Convene today, you know, a core part of our business is meetings, events, and conferencing physically, right? And so that business is going to be compromised until there's a vaccine, right? Period. That's just reality. If you're a co-working company today and you are focused on one person, two person, three person, four person offices, the reality is that customer is gone today. Why would they ever spend money on an office if they could work from home today? Right. So again, I think each business is going to be impacted differently in the short term. The real question is who's innovating, right? Whose business model is evolving to speak to the new opportunities that this is creating, the new trends that this is accelerating in particular on remote and virtual work uh, and hybrid work. And that's creating massive, massive, massive opportunities uh, that companies like us can take advantage of. And so our focus is shifting quickly from what did we need to do to survive? Like that plan is done. Convene isn't going anywhere. Now the time is, okay, what can we do proactively? What are the new products and services that we can deploy to create value for our customers and create massive new opportunities for the business over the next two, three, four, and five years? And and that's what we're focused on right now. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, It was great and stay safe and stay healthy.